Secure ship for sea. Make all preparations for getting underway. Aye, aye, sir. There's a great, big, beautiful tomorrow Shining at the end of every day There's a great, big, beautiful tomorrow And tomorrow's just a dream away Your attention, please. One show for you to see. One for you and everyone. Ugh, ugh. Now, Mouseketeers, here's one thing we want you always to remember. W Radio. Your information station. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the WDW Radio Show, your Walt Disney World information station. I am your host, Lou Mangello, and this is show number 213 for the week of March 13th, 2011. Although I talk, usually at length, about taking time to slow down and appreciate all of Walt Disney World's details, stories, and overlooked experiences, I also understand that for many individuals and families, they have limited time to enjoy all the shows and attractions in the parks. And although we all tour differently, it's about maximizing your time and getting the most out of your vacation experience. This week, we'll look at some tips to do just that, including how using an online resource at home and in the parks can help you save time and money on your next visit. I'll have some announcements and then play more of your voicemails at the end of the show, so sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode of the WDW Radio Show. I talk all the time about stopping to look up and around and enjoy and explore all the details and experiences that Walt Disney World has to offer. But I certainly acknowledge that not everyone has the luxury of extended amounts of time in the parks. Because for many people, a trip to Walt Disney World happens once every few years or maybe even once a year. So it's important to see and do and eat as much as possible while you're there. But no matter how often or when you go, it is about maximizing your time in the parks. Now for some, like me, that means spending time to slow down and appreciate the details. But for others, it's about enjoying all the attractions and shows, restaurants and restaurants, including and especially the new e-ticket attractions that maybe were introduced since their last visit. So for those people, it's all about efficiency. Efficiency in navigating the parks, working the fast pass system to its fullest extent, and knowing where to go and what to avoid, and of course, when. And nobody's been doing it longer, does it better, or has as sophisticated methods for creating, testing, and implementing their world-famous touring plans then, touringplans.com. Not only are they a sponsor of the WDW Newscast, 
You see the little legal disclosure I snuck in there? But they have been longtime friends of mine personally and the show. I've known Len Testa and Bob Selinger, the authors of the unofficial guide to Walt Disney World, since I started way back when. And I'm fortunate enough to call the man who really is the brains behind touringplans.com my friend. A man who I literally and figuratively look up to. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I give you the host of Betamouse.net and touringplans.com guru, Mr. Henry Work. Lou, it is an honor and a pleasure and really an honor to be on the show with you. Thanks a lot for inviting me on. I am happy that we finally got through all of your agents and your legal team and could work out an agreement to, to finally get you on the show. I've been looking forward to this for a long time. Uh, well, when you sit in front of the computer 20 hours a day, you know, sometimes it's just a little bit overwhelming. <laughs> Fans lined up outside your door at the Henry Work Studios uh, <laughs> trying to get in to meet you. But so before we get started talking about um, touring the parks and maximizing the time and I want to learn more uh, about touring plans, I want to learn more about Henry Work, if that's your real name, Uh-oh. the man. I want you to kind of come over, sit next to me on the virtual Oprah-like couch Tell us about how you got started into the the Disney geekdom, which you so uh, eloquently rule over. Oh, okay. Uh, long story short, I'm a Disney World person. I've been going since I was a kid. You know, my parents were like, we visited friends in Florida. Then it was like one day in the parks, and they built Epcot. And then it was like two days in the parks, and then they built Hollywood Studios. It was three days in the parks. And then by the end of the time, we forced our friends to come to Orlando uh, and to actually see us when we were in Florida. Um, I'm a computer science guy, web geek, uh, went to school for computer science, started working for a tech blog called TechCrunch, and then I found an awesome job, which is actually doing Disney technology stuff full time. Uh, and so I, I hooked up with the touring plans people and I've been doing that since I now live in Northern California. So Disneyland, I, uh, I've come to have a big appreciation for and, you know, I'm fortunate enough to be able to work on this stuff and build products that, you know, are actually used by, you know, tens and tens of thousands of Disney people every year. And so that's that's really satisfying. Living the dream, baby. You're living the living dream. The dream. I Doing am. what you it's, love and it happens to be about Disney. That's really it's really cool. Uh, I'm a huge Disney nut, so I couldn't have really asked for a better job. So let me ask you, as a, a, a wee young lad of, of six and a half feet tall when you were 14, were you more of, and, and certainly it changed obviously over time as the parks grew and, and Walt Disney World expanded with the number of theme parks, but were you more of a, a planner or as you got older, were you just kind of a, a wing it person? I've always been particularly fascinated with the operation of the park. I just think, you know, they have 60,000 cast members in Orlando and everything just seems to work. And it works extremely well. And I've always been fascinated by the efficiency, the operations, and, you know, the, the people who've built the parks and, and I've respected their talents for many years. And so, yes, I, I've definitely been sort of, uh, you know, uh, I, I like to have be efficient in our time and we, we would only have a few days down there so we try to do as much as possible i still have like a, a 94 unofficial guide to walt disney world and you know we we i found the books really early on and then i found the disney podcasting community and the regular disney community so i've actually you know i listened to my boss len test on ww today sorry Lou, um for about four years and i've been a ww radio listener since day one so and, and yet you kept on listening I, yeah, I'm with you until episode 10,000. 10,001, not, not so sure, Lou. 
<laughs> I'm sure there'll be restaurant more restaurants to cover by that time. So, but, so <laughs> were you like you know many people, myself included, years ago, were the get out the Excel spreadsheet with five pages and you lay out your ADRs and you figure it all. Was that you, or is that something that you started to develop later on in life, either out of necessity or just because it was fun being a geek and and planning so much so early? I remember obsessing about the parks, and I, and I still do it, and I obsess over the the planning. I'm not an Excel person, uh, so I, we didn't have everything fully lined out. You know, not everyone in my family, as most you know families are, you have your super planners, and you also have the people who like you know will you know say we need to be spontaneous and we can't you know ha- plan everything out. And uh, so we we've had a sort of um, we go back and forth, but I've definitely been. Um, very interested in planning and researching. I still, I wore out my Disney theme park um, uh, videos that, you know, the videos that they send out now, they send out fancy DVDs, but I had one that I literally just watched on a loop over and over and over again. I collect the, the travel agent brochures and like look at the prices of each of the resorts and, and try to like convince my parents about like package deals that we could be getting. Um so, yeah, I, I, I'm not as extreme as some people out there, but uh, definitely kind of crazy. It sounds like you and I are, are kindred spirits. Uh, we spend a lot of probably lonely weekends at home watching <laughs> Disney DVDs and, and reading <laughs> Disney books, uh, thinking about our next trips, not really dating very much in the process. But over time, obviously, uh, you, you've learned a lot, both because it's your passion and now because it's your job. I want to talk about touring plans a little bit, but... I want to know, you know, we talk about how, especially for people who've never been to the parks before, first and foremost, it's not like going to, you know, Great Adventure in Jackson, New Jersey. You've got to plan, and there are so many different elements that you need to take into consideration when you you plan. It, it is so vital when to go, how to go. Everything. Tell us how you approach or the advice you give to people uh, as far as maximizing their time in the parks. What are the things that they need to consider? Right. I mean, I think the first step is just getting in the door is just to plan at all. And if you found this podcast, I'm sure I'm sure you do. Um, and I think, you know, convincing the the rest of your family, the rest of your travel group to sort of participate in the planning is really important. I, you know, I'm going to be shameless here. I think um, you should definitely get a guidebook. There's many good guidebooks out there. I think the unofficial guide has the best Um and we have this, you know, and we have a choice of sort of what's what will be interested to you. So we have our big book, which is 900 pages big, um, and it's you know in the top five on Amazon Travel. But we also have a color companion, which we introduced last year, which is a much more um, photo-centric sort of thing, uh, but has a lot of the same high-quality data. And we even have um, a book. F- geared towards uh, families with children. So it's the Walt unofficial guide to Walt Disney World with kids, 2011. And uh, I think getting a guidebook, number one, is, is is definitely step one. And I'd like to say that, you know, I bring some key part to the, the, the general Disney research um, and guidebook experience, but I really don't. I mean, these guys have sort of, I mean, they literally wrote the book on it. The unofficial guide's been around since 85. And, um, you know, every year we update it and it's, it's really, I think it's a sort of the, the, the definitive guide. So that's, that's where I'd start, um, get a guidebook. I think even the best Disney sites on the internet, and there's lots of really high quality ones out there right now, um, 
you know, it's it's really good if you've never been before to just have a guidebook and and read it sort of front to cover. Uh, sorry, front to back. Um, it's there, there really isn't a replacement for that. Yeah, and, and I think too it could be overwhelming for people. Even people who have been before, say, oh, you know what, I was there 10 years ago, I know how to do it, and then they get there and it's overwhelming. And certainly, I I look to the people who come from Disneyland, for example, and come out to Walt Disney World, completely different experience because you're not walking from park to park for the most part. When you have to introduce buses as modes of transportation and the crowds are different, it's it's a very, very different experience from the East and West Coast. Yeah, it's 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 uh, it's pretty in- intimidating in some ways, right? I mean, there are these big books. There's so many Disney websites out there. A lot of vacations are very long, you know, five to seven days, and um, and so even though it's it's it can be intimidating, um, it's still it's still very manageable, and um, I think you know a little bit of planning can go a long way in terms of enjoyment, no matter how you like touring. Whether it's uh, you know you gauge your success of your vacation by the number of attractions that you hit, versus you know I sometimes I gauge my attraction by the amount of you know times I can you know go to the Kringle Bakery, or uh, <laughs> you know stroll around Epcot. So to each his own, I guess. Yeah, and we talk about timing being so important and for some people when they can go is very limited whether it's because of work their kids are in school look my parents yanked me out of school but I did my homework when I was there not everybody is afforded that luxury but I think what people don't realize Henry and uh, is that when you go and where you go uh, are, are very important as well and what I mean by that is the parks that you choose one of the things you guys do uh, over at touring plans and I kind of want to talk about this as well is you, you have a crowd calendar and people say well it's okay I, I want to go to the Magic Kingdom this day I want to go to Epcot this day I, explain to us how and why the crowd calendar is important in planning out your trip because the park crowds and the best parks to go to and avoid can very much make or break how many attractions you get to see Right. So the crowd calendar has been around for a few years and it's by far our, our most popular thing. Um, you know, for, for today through the next 365 days, we rank every day in Walt Disney World on a scale from one to 10, one being the least crowded and 10 being the most crowded. And also every day we recommend a park to visit. Um, so basically, you know, there's two ways to, to use this one. It's really, really helpful if you're trying to figure out when to go. Right. So if you have the Liberty, you know, if you could choose when you get to go, that's, that's a huge advantage. And I think, you know, no matter how much you want to sort of take, you know, relax and take your time, I think everyone will agree. It's, it's nicer to go to the parks when they're less busy. Right. You know, if you can avoid going between Christmas and new years, that's, that's huge. Um, and so, uh, using the crowd calendar to, you know, get a good sense of how crowded it's going to be, and there's lots of general information out there. But what we really, what we're really proud of, is that we have a, a very specific daily recommendation, and we think it's the best out there. The way it works is we've collected wait times for the past ten years. We have an awesome Canadian statistician named Fred Hazelton, um, who's been really just sort of monitoring and predicting Disney crowds for years and years. And what we do is we take all this wait time data and we combine it with a huge database of park hours and EMH schedules and show times and holiday and school schedules, historical weather, attraction closures. Like we know when the attractions were closed over the past like five years. And uh, we combine all this data and Fred does a bunch of statistical stuff that I have no idea how exactly it works. But he has a degree at it, so don't worry. Um, 
and he, you know, spits out these, um, you know, this data, you know, like very trustworthy um, predictions. You know, we're not 100%, um, but, you know, Dizzy doesn't release his attendance figures. And so we sort of do the the best job that we can. And um, it's, uh, it's on a scale from one to 10. And then uh, the recommended parks thing. So say if you know your days of your vacation, um, you know, you, you're a teacher and you have to go, you know, when, when school isn't out um, or you have very specific uh, vacation days every year. Um, what's really good first is if you can't choose your days, at least you can know how crowded it's going to be, right? And that can really influence your expectations and uh, you can sort of manage them. You, you know that if it's going to, if you're going on a nine or 10 day that it's going to be kind of crazy and you're going to, you know, you, you might want to plan your day differently or maybe even plan your ADRs differently. Um, or theoretically, if you're a local, you might avoid the parks on that day, right? Um, and so once you sort of figure out the day, uh, the days that you have, um, the next step, as you were saying, I'm sorry for getting to it in a long way, uh, park recommendations. Um, choosing the park can actually be really important. It's not as important as using a really good touring plan, which we'll talk about. Um, but it turns out that the crowds on 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 some days are um, more crowded than others uh, for, by park. So you know, Magic Kingdom might be good one day, but then the next day it has some event. Uh, maybe it's um, you know some special event or some holiday or some reason the data is saying that it's. Uh, it would be more crowded on one day versus the other. And maybe you can use that to um, have uh, not only tour differently, but maybe plan your dinners differently. Or, um, you know, but also you can just sort of say, you know, uh, it, would be a, it would be a good day to go no matter what. I mean, you could, you could ignore the, re- the recommendations as well. Well, let me ask you this. Because you are able to sort of predict the future to a certain degree because of historical data, how often – are those crowd levels updated? So how do things like the changing days of holidays or or uh, attraction refurbishments, attraction closures, like how often close up to somebody's vacation might that data change as things change? Things, you know, things that come up might change. Right. It's hard to say exactly. Um, and one of the things we have done is uh, we created this thing called the crowd tracker, or if you're a user of our site, you can come and you can um, you can track specific days. Maybe you're trying to decide between two weekends or two weeks, or you know you've you set your days and you're and you're looking forward to it, and you just want to be notified if there's any changes in our forecast. I mean, just like the weather changes, you know the crowds will change. Um, we we Fred updates the calendar every every day or two. I mean, this isn't something that we just update every six months or whatever. Um, and he's where we have a we set out a ton of infrastructure to try to track every single thing in terms of you know Dis- when Disney changes park hours because um, Disney will change park hours if they think it's going to be more crowded but also it's kind of like a it's kind of like a um, a dog chasing its tail kind of thing if Disney you know extends park hours that can mean that you know more people actually go than they would have you know what I mean right. so it's uh, you kind of have to guess. Uh, appropriately. And um, we have this big infrastructure to try to track when things change. Um, what's really awesome now is that since we introduced our mobile app, we actually have hundreds and uh, hundreds of users every day sending us uh, data. So we can we can tell really quickly um, whether our forecasts coming up for the next week or whatever are going to be uh, need to be tweaked slightly. Um, but in general, they don't they don't change too much. Um, you know, Disney Disney has a pretty set schedule of park hours. They don't change them that often. Um, and you know, uh, we've, we've gotten frankly pretty good at, 
at, at knowing what what the differences are to year to year. Right, and, and obviously on the line on the touring plans website as well too. You also have current wait times again that's also using some of that real-time data that people are submitting and we'll talk about the mobile app but i wanted to get into the touring plans themselves because i think that's where a lot of people come to the website for um not everybody use it i think not everybody even known knows what the touring plans plans are and maybe the fact that there are not just two or three different ones, but there's literally you know more than 100. Explain to us a little bit about what the touring plans are, what touringplans.com offers, um, the free stuff and the subscription stuff and, and everything that's on the site. Absolutely. Um, so touring plans, a touring plan is a step-by-step guide to seeing as much as possible in Walt Disney World with a minimum of standing in line. And we, you know, you typically have touring plans for a specific park, although we have a couple that cross over multiple parks in a single day. Um, Basically, they're the brainchild of um, my boss, Len Testa. He was waiting in line for a great movie ride and was waiting a lot. And he said that there must be a better way of doing this. And turns out that he was going to grad school at the time doing computer science. And he found stumble upon this sort of segment of research in the research community. It's very similar to the way UPS actually tracks packages, turns out. Um, and it's kind of a scheduling problem, right? Like it's if you want to hit 10 attractions a day, which is what Disney says is the average amount of attractions, um, and say if you want to see 20 in a day, like what is the appropriate order? You know, you might not want to start with Shrunken Ned's Junior Jungle Boats or uh, or Country Bear Jamboree when you know you might want to do Space Mountain or Splash Mountain instead. And it turns out that the computers actually, if you write the right algorithms, the computer could be really good at guessing the right order in which you should visit the attractions. And our touring plans, we work on them constantly, and they uh, the what they're they're actually um, able to save you up to four hours in line per day. Uh, which could be huge if you're a you know a, a family planning a trip you know a two or three day trip or a, even a four day trip and you just want to see some of the big attractions, um, and so touring plans um, the we have sort of ones for every single type of um, traveling party you know some for adults some for seniors we have sleep in touring plans and happy family touring plans if you have to manage <laughs> plan you know like. Jimmy wants to go on Dumbo, but you know Timmy wants to go on the teacups over and over again. Uh, one of the ones I really like is the Dumbo or Die in a Day touring plan, which I think is kind of clever. And uh, we've included a bunch of them in the books, um, but we're sort of limited by space. And that that was actually the genesis for the site originally. Um, and so touring plans in general um, are really useful. And obviously, it's sort of a uh, this is where I think. Uh, you know, when people get the impression that it's sort of like a theme park commando kind of site, right? Uh, I think people think of the touring plans. Um, but I, I guess I want to say is that, you know, you could use touring plans however you want. And, um, you know, you could skip whatever attractions you want. You don't have to sort of uh, have every minute scheduled out. A lot of the touring plans don't have lots of backtracking. So it's not like you're running over the around the park very constantly. And, you know, a lot of people are sort of resistant to using a plan. You know, you're on vacation and you want to enjoy yourselves. And so what we say is, you know, if you're going during busier times, touring plans could be a great help. Uh, you know, if you're going on New Year's Eve to the Magic Kingdom, you know, God bless you. Uh, like, <laughs> there is no touring plan for that. It's just... It... <laughs> 
I mean, you might want it. You're gonna need to get there early, and you, you using a touring plan, you can accomplish a lot. Actually, Len did it this uh, this year. He was in he was in the Magic Kingdom in, in New Year's Eve, and he got like 25, 30 attractions done just by just by following one of our holiday touring plans. Um, and it could also be a great way if you know if you've sort of discovered the site or want to use a touring plan, but you know you have resistance within the family. Uh, you know, maybe not. Don't use one for one day, and then if 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 things aren't working out, you could always have it sort of you know in your back pocket just in case. You know, you're you're going to Hollywood Studios, and you really want to make sure that you want to go on Toy Story Mania and all the other e-tickets. So um, yeah, it's a it's you know it's it's something that's really useful. It can save you a lot of time, and um, you know you can use it sparingly as as you feel is appropriate. Well, as, and that's what I was going to say. I, I want to kind of play devil's advocate just because I want three years of law school to finally pay off. You know, what about, the, <laughs> what about those people that say that, you know, planning out every second of the day and sort of following that minute by minute itinerary takes away from any and all spontaneity. Um, you know, they don't want to plan every second. Of the day. They want to kind of wing it. Do the plans allow for that? Or if you go off you know, step three, you're just in trouble for the rest of the day and you might as well just get back to the pool. No, I mean, even even using it as a rough guideline is definitely better than not using it at all. Um, and it turns out that, you know, our order um, is actually really, like, what one thing that I was really skeptical about sort of joining the site, I was like, I know, I know Disney World pretty well. I'm like, come on, Len Testa. Um, <laughs> like, and so... I thought, you know, but we've actually done a lot of tests that say that even like the best theme park veterans, you know, can't can't get the order always exactly right, and um, and it, it it sort of adds up, you know what I mean? You you save five ten minutes here, and suddenly by the end of the day, you save like an hour or two, and that's an hour or two that you might not see you spending in line. Um, also, the one thing I'll just say is like. Uh, you know, I, I'm I'm totally I'm a big WW Radio fan, and I totally believe in you know even experiencing the and and appreciating the cues of Walt Disney World. But um, like, I think there's a big difference between like the Joe Rody Expedition Everest cue and you know maybe like the Peter Pan cue or the Indy Speedway cue when it's like 95 degrees outside. It's so it's um you know it's uh, you, you want to try to get the the best things out of um out of Walt Disney World, but and some you know sometimes try to avoid some of the some of the other issues. And that's what I was gonna ask you as well too. You you talked about being sort of the seasoned veterans and I think there may be a misconception that well, I've been to Disney World ten times. I know the park like a back of my hand. I don't need a guide to tell me how to do it. Or on the other hand, you know, they want to take some time and slow down, but that's obviously not the case. Right, and um, well, just just to go back to your point about spontaneity. Like, I think uh, I think one, the touring plans don't sort of um, tell you too much about what to do. You can use them very flex. I mean, it's I think it's really important to be flexible and sort of modify them to your their needs. One other one other cool thing that um, we'll talk about is uh, our mobile app now actually features touring plans. We just added this like two days ago, um, so they. If, if you're sort of like you didn't print them out before you got to the park and you didn't like swift through the ones and you're standing there at rope drop or 10 a.m. even um, and you you just want to be like, oh, I should have brought a touring plan. You know, if you have a smartphone, you can access them quickly and then have, uh, you know, sort of select them for easy access while you're while you're touring around the parks. Um, but, yeah, there's there's obviously, you know, touring plans are certainly not built for everyone. Uh, we definitely think they're super helpful when it's crowded out. 
um, cause you'll, you'll save on generally more time. You know, if you go and the parks are dead, you know, you might not even need touring plans. You can just sort of, um, you know, just choose the attractions or just literally just go to, to go to them, you know, in order of how, what, what's closest and what you feel like at every given moment. And, um, and we're also working on some stuff to try to be able to sort of have things optimized on the fly in the future. So that, that could be kind of interesting. Well, what about things? I mean, do the plans afford for, you know, I, look, I have two young kids potty breaks, uh, my incessant need to eat every 30 minutes, you know, the weather. If not, how do those kind of things affect the plans? I mean, if you miss something, if you have the often unscheduled child or adult melt meltdown, are you now sort of thrown off for the rest of the day or how does that affect the plan? Absolutely. So they, they, uh, they're actually planned to have give you extreme amounts of sort of time between attractions, right? So even if you know there's a there's an emergency trip to the Dole Whip stand, right? Like we can uh, we they sort of um, deal with a deal with that gracefully, and um, it's pretty easy to sort of get back on the thread. And, and we generally say if you've um, missed about like 20 minutes. Um, uh, of 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 your you know you had like a twenty minute detour then you just sort of skip the next attraction on the plan. And so, in all your years of research and ongoing research, you know, without sort of you know giving away the cow, have you noticed sort of any kind of trends as far as you know how crowds go or or best days to go? Like you know traditionally, is the Magic Kingdom more crowded on a Monday and less crowded on a Saturday? Or does that sort of is it sort of something that changes very often because of all the different factors in play? Um, ooh, I need I need Fred on speed dial. <laughs> um, I'll be very careful without this question because uh, I I'm not sort of the data junkie of the group. Um, but so I don't want to I don't want to say anything inaccurate. Um, I definitely think it, it seems like Disney World is generally getting more crowded. As a layperson, I'm sure Fred can can double check that. I'll back you up um, on that one. There is there is no right, slow season anymore. <laughs> right, so there are fewer slow, fewer completely slow days, right? And Disney's done a great job at you know trying to keep you know things crowded through the fall and through the winter and stuff like that. You know, hey, let's you know create another marathon, right? Um, it's actually it's really interesting if you track like the 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 progression of like very merry very merry Christmas parties and not so scary Halloween parties. Like back in the day, there used to be like two right it would be like not so scary <laughs> on halloween and that's it and now there's like 15 of them um yeah not so, so. scary begins like in august now so i know which is awesome because i like to go in august um <laughs> uh, you know definitely get in the halloween halloween mode um <laughs> when it's 97 degrees and 112 percent humidity so. <laughs> yeah well you know the my uh square pants you know costume still looks just as good um <laughs> So uh, it, it definitely has gone a bit more crowded. Uh, how much I can't really say because uh, I, I, I just don't know, but Fred would know. Um, but and, and in terms of general trends, it, it, it turns out that, you know, most of the general trends aren't, um, you know, most of sort of the common knowledge is not always right. Like we've tested things like, you know, you should go left on cues instead of right. Right. And we've tested that. We've really seen on most attractions. It makes no difference. Um, and, and, you know, sort of the best days of the week to go to each parks. Actually, uh, it's really hard to predict that in general. And so that's why we sort of have the crowd calendar, because we can sort of say, uh, you know, 
you don't have to ask a general question about like some Sunday in the Magic Kingdom. You could just look at the date that you're actually planning and then and go through the information. And one thing we're actually added in the last couple of months, which I think is really exciting, is that we've actually been able to predict the wait times for the very day that you're going. And it's it's all the data just specifically for that day. So if you want to know when the fast passes are going to run out on Soren on, you know, June 2nd this year, like we we can tell you that. And that that's really exciting for us. I'm sure that's done with something more than Excel spreadsheets. But again, <laughs> like you, a little bit outside the purview of uh, of how much I really want to understand about it. Uh, what I find that I use things like the crowd calendar for, and I think one of the benefits too, is that because you, you alluded to the fact that there is so much going on all the time, people may not realize the different special events that are going on. So for example, ESPN The Weekend changes. You know, sometimes it's in February, sometimes it's in March. If people don't know that that's coming up and be like, hey, we're going to go to, you know, Saturday afternoon, let's go and hit Toy Story Mania first, they may be surprised when they see that the crowd is a nine instead of what they would have thought would maybe be a three. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, if you're not aware of like the Fantasmic schedule, the Fantasmic, uh, Fred did this big blog post about how it, how much it impacts the Hollywood studios crowds, uh, both, both these seasonal events and also the showtime schedules themselves, which we, we both have on the site, um, uh, could definitely, you know, affect the way you're touring. They may not affect wait time so much. Um, you know, ESPN doesn't really affect wait time specifically, but you know, if you don't know that they're going on, you know, you, you might either miss them or um, be influenced them otherwise. Yeah, you might be surprised by the crowd that's been lining up since six thirty in the morning because they wanted to go and meet Tony Dorsett or the Tampa Bay Buccaneer cheerleaders. I'm raising <laughs> right, <my> hand. <laughs> so. Nice. The other one that's Tony Dorsett. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Uh, the other, the other one that always throws people for loop is like when the the Super Bowl, you know, how people are going to Disney World. The winning, the MVP goes to Disney World. You know, the the day after the Super Bowl. Um, we've found that you know that actually doesn't affect wait times that much, but it'll certainly make Main Street a lot more crowded during right. the parade times, right? Um, same thing when they're taping the uh, the the Christmas parade. Christmas parade I was thinking the same thing, right? Every year. So it's uh, you know we we track all that stuff and. Uh, we we let you, we let you know about it. Well, let me ask you this um, because you know you obviously being the host of BetaMouse.net, and we'll talk about sort of that Disney slash tech podcast later. But Ooh. you're very much uh, in tune, like I am, with, with the technology, and certainly Walt Disney World is always in a state of growth and and development and change, and specifically the introduction of new technologies into the attractions, and and more specifically as far as crowd calendars and touring plans go the, even the queues themselves i mean recently winnie the pooh had probably most extensive and interactive queue in there soren sort of started the trend uh i think we could safely say that the haunted mansion most probably peter pan is also going to get uh, a change in their queue something more interactive what do you what, what do you think and how do you think that's going to affect you know the interactive queues how are they going to affect Things like touring plans and even maybe how people approach, you know, the way that they, they, they approach the parks. Well, I am for one, not only being a Disney and technology fan, I'm extremely excited in Disney sort of taking lines more seriously and, you know, trying to get into the trip planning process a little bit. 
Um, yeah, I really love the interactive cues. Uh, Winnie the Pooh, I think has it has a lot of potential. I hope they I hope they keep expanding like that. I'm really looking forward to Mansion, and then as you say, Soren and uh, Space Space Mountain, I think is pretty cool. Um, and you know the the progression of Q technology, I think is is generally exciting because you know one of the things that personally I'm I'm not a huge fan of I'm I'm, I'm a relatively in, impatient person Lou uh, is is waiting in line right waiting in line is not that much fun except unless if the queue is well themed and you know you have stuff to explore um, so uh, in general I'm really excited in terms of how it affects the crowds like right now the the interactive queues are pretty much trying to make the standby experience feel less bad right they won't really affect you know the overall capacity of the attraction you know you'll still have to wait the same amount but hopefully you'll be more entertained and I think that's great I mean um, and the really interesting thing, which you've done a, a newscast about is, you know, the Disney rumoring or, um, Disney announcing that they're going to allow ride reservations at some capacity to be scheduled from home. And that's the really big question mark, right? So like, how is that implemented? How does that affect touring? Will everyone have a, uh, be able to access that? Um, but ultimately, you know, we're, we think in terms of like, uh, how it affects our company, you know, we're still in the game of trying to make vacations as uh, um, happy as possible and, and reducing stress, and moreover, uh, predicting predicting crowds and using research and technology to do that. Um, and so, uh, we don't think the the crowds really change very much. Um, just sort of the way you may approach touring may change, if that makes sense. Yeah, and and I was going to bring up sort of that next gen and and sort of what Tom Staggs had alluded to in the investors conference about how they were going to possibly afford people the opportunity to start really planning and scheduling their vacation before they leave home, whether it's not only advanced dining reservations, but fast pass reservations and who knows. And we know very little about it. And I assume it's going to be some time before it's implemented. And Henry, not just because you're a friend, but because of, of my curiosity about touring plans, I immediately thought of you and how that might be able to affect what you guys are doing, the difference being that what Disney is doing is definitely going to be geared towards the family that is very, very involved in wanting to plan everything out super early. Uh, the ones that don't, that want to just kind of go and wing it and we'll figure out where we're going to eat once we get there. Um, probably not going to make that much of a difference in, but you know what you guys do, I think, strikes a nice balance because if you do want to sort of really plan it as hardcore as possible, you have all the data there. But if you do want to go to the parks and say, okay, what is is the best way to sort of get the most out of my day? I know I'm going to go to the Magic Kingdom, no matter what the crowd calendar says, you guys can sort of help navigate uh, what could potentially be a crowded day there. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's sort of, um, you know, Disney holds all the cards and we're, we're excited about what happens. You know, most of these big changes seem like they're still a few years out and they haven't announced too many details about them. Um, but we're, we're sort of eager to sort of see how it, how it all plays out and then ultimately try to, you know, um, help people as much as possible, um, for the stuff that Disney doesn't change. And look, I, I am fortunate enough that I live in Florida. I go to Disney world a lot, <laughs> but you made mention before. And one of the things that I found that I use, I, I am a touring plan subscriber. One of the things that Ooh. I use more than the site is actually the, the mobile app, the, the lines application. I have it on uh, my iPhone. If I understand correctly, it's available also in the Android marketplace, and you can also access it just via if you have like a smartphone via any web browser. 
Yes, that's exactly okay. right. Yeah, we have native apps for iPhone and Android, and then we, um, for everything else, it has a pretty web-friendly version. So I know what I specifically use Lines for, but tell us what the application does and what kind of data it provides. Right. So what I like to say about Lines is it's a, it's a really good mobile companion. And it's, it can be used for serious touring. Like, you know, we, we have a touring plan. We're going to the best park recommend, recommended, and we're going to try to do as much as we can. But it can also be used for very, very casual touring. Like you're, you know, you're sipping a beverage strolling around Epcot and you're just wondering if you can hit Soren right before illumination starts or you know you're you're on Kilimanjaro safaris bouncing around and there's no animals out and so you're looking on your smartphone of course and you're lo- you're looking to see what the standby time is on at Everest right it, it, fundamentally it, it gives gives you the current wait times but I think what also sort of separates us and you know it's sort of up our neck of the woods is that it predicts what wait times are going to be in the future Right, so you can get access on the app for all the wait times, what they are right now, but also for the rest of today and tomorrow, and that's kind of useful too because uh, you know we predict when the fast passes will run out. So you know if you're really itching to do space with a fast pass, um, we'll give you an estimate of saying we think it's going to be going to be gone around 1 p.m. and that's really useful um, because it's hard to sort of keep track of that in your head, um, and it's 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 sort of uh, it's it's. It's sort of it, it does a lot of other things. So it does, you know, attraction closures. We have the crowd calendar information uh, in this 10-day forecast inside the app. Um, so you can check to see, you know, if you don't d- didn't bring your laptop to the to you know to your resort, you can quickly load up, you know, uh, what the best parks are for tomorrow and what the crowd levels are going to be. And um, that's sort of what it does. It's also you can submit wait times. What's really cool is that hundreds of people are using submit wait times every day in the parks. And so lines actually get smarter each day. And what's also really cool is that it tells you when attractions are closed, right? So uh, a user on one side of the park will tell you that test track is down so you don't have to, you know, you know, end that sunshine season's lunch early, for example. Right. So it's sort of um, it's sort of like a an on the ground reporting tool. It's it tells you what's going on right now and will tell you and predict sort of the near future. Yeah, I find that I use it in the park honestly more often than I thought it would. I, again, I said, look, I, I go to Disney World all the time. I'm I'm not really when I go, it's usually for work or research or to eat. But I find that I'm using it more often than not, even for the simplest things like. In lieu of a times guide, I looked at it, all right, you know, I'm in the Magic Kingdom, but I have no idea what time it closes, right, or what has extra magic hours tonight. I actually just used it a few days ago. I happened to be with a bunch of friends. We were in Tomorrowland enjoying one of those tasty taco hot dogs from the lunching pad, which, of course, I had to throw in there. But I said, Ooh. but somebody wanted to ride uh, Big Thunder Mountain, and we didn't know what the crowds were like. We didn't know what the wait times were like. I was able to look down and see, according to... Um, according to the Lines app, what the wait time was, when the fast pass return time was. So it gave us an idea if it was worth walking across the park uh, to go ahead and ride the attraction. And it it worked. I mean, that the I was surprised at how accurate the numbers really were. And I guess that goes to, again, that real-time data coming from sort of the community of Lions users that's, that likes being able to be part of that and help contribute by submitting those times. 
Right. Plus, you get badges if you submit weed tires, which is kind of cool. Oh, so um, you kind of go with like a whole Gowala kind of check-in. Yeah, we, we throw in some game mechanics. You could you could get earn badges or and uh, get stats and become maybe the top submitter if you're a hardcore local, um, which is kind of cool. Uh, one thing I definitely want to say is that. Uh, we come up with our own. We use Disney's posted times. Also, if you're a regular user, you can actually now uh, time your the, the actual amount of, of time that you spend in line. There's a little feature, and it doesn't drain your battery or anything. Um, and we use those combined with all of our historical data about what we think the ride is going to be, and we try to produce the best wait time estimate possible. And so occasionally it might be different than Disney's, but that's okay because – we just sort of think differently than Disney. And um, so, you know, it, it, we think in our experience, it's it's sort of the best best of both worlds. It, it has a focus on the past, but also gets all this data from the, the present. So even if something goes crazy and there's only one user in the parks tomorrow, it'll still be really useful. Well, how do you deal with, you know, somebody like, well, somebody from the Beta Mouse podcast, I might say, you know, what, I'm going to be a clown. I'm not even in Walt Disney World. I'm going to submit a carousel of progress wait time of 120 minutes. How do you you sort of deal with that sort of, uh, you know, obviously incorrect data coming in? Right. Those, those beta mouse listeners, those, they they are rabble rousers. (laughs) They rouse rabbles. Um, yeah, so we have a lot of sophisticated ways. I'm sort of like, I don't know, racking my fingers right now in a, an evil pose. <laughs> um, but uh, we, we, we sort of know what it's supposed to be, right? Because we project into the future. Um, and so we can sort of detect when things are, um, you know, not not as they should be. But also, we, we're really lucky. We have an awesome community of users. We have a chat room on the site, and we have all these people monitoring it. Um, and so... Uh, typically the only issues that we've really had are like when, you know, some guy gives his kid, like his four-year-old kid, the <laughs> right. phone for a few minutes and they're like, I want more badges. <laughs> so they'll submit 10 wait times for a journey into imagination in like five seconds. Um, but yeah, so we, we haven't had too many issues. And what's also, uh, you know, good and bad is that there, there are other, definitely other apps out there. You know, um, we think ours is, has really high quality data and we think it, ours is unique because we predict the future and stuff. Um, but, uh, having, having the, our site subscription cost uh, a small fee. So for it's, it's 1095 for 365 days of access actually reduced the amount of issues that we had significantly because once you sort of pay for something, you don't really want to mess right. with it. You know I mean? So we've been we've been really lucky, and we think we've kept the accuracy really really high. So you said the uh, Walt Disney World is for ten ninety five for one year. Disneyland is six ninety five for a year. That gives you access to both lines and the website because there's there's some yeah. there's some free information on the site, and there's some paid. Can you tell us what the subscription gives versus what's free? Sure. So most of the content on the site is free. Um, the only things that you have to pay for are uh, the crowd calendar information, for the full crowd calendar. We have sort of a tease up on the site, um, but you know we invest a ton of energy and effort to get those numbers accurate. So that's why we feel comfortable charging for them. Uh, the touring plans. We have a few sample touring plans just to see just to see what they're like and how it works. Um, but we have about 150 of them on the site uh, for Disney World and um, about. 10, I think, for Disneyland. We're working on it, improving our Disneyland touring plans. Um, 
And so the most of them, you know, you ha- you have to pay for, it. and then to, to have access to lines, it's um it's part of the subscription. So you get all of them in one. And if you're a crazy Disney World slash Disneyland person, you can get both of them for a discount. Uh, also, if you're a, an unofficial guide reader for Disney World or Disneyland, we have a substantial book discount as well. Nice, nice. Yeah. All those things, I love them all. I, all right. Listen, Let's I, hate to, I hate to admit that <laughs> I actually have every unofficial guide going back to like 1986. I, don't, I just what? feel compelled to buy it every year. So we need a picture with you <laughs> and those all holding them or something um, in front of Spaceship Earth. So let me ask you, I know that you've got, you know, the, the sort of laid back touring plans. You got ones for adults and kids and seniors. Have you ever done sort of the ultimate hardcore as many attractions in a day as you can in Walt Disney World? Oh, Yes. I've and done, what's it, what's I've your done record? it a few times. It's sort of a rite of passage with the company. It's like a, our hazing at rituals. <laughs> right um, after the bloodletting yeah. ceremony, you have to do the ultimate touring plan. Right, exactly. Um, so we uh, so we have this thing called the ultimate touring plan. They they created it as like a you know a, a gimmick or like is this possible? And um, like a few years ago, and it turns out it is possible. So what you try to do is hit every single attraction show parade, fireworks presentation, character meeting greet that you can in the Magic Kingdom. And we also have tour, uh, ultimate touring plans for the rest of of the uh, the parks as well. Um, although I'm personally looking for like a La Cellier ultimate touring plan, but that's, that's for another day. Um, so basically it's, you know, see as many attractions as you can as possible. And uh, it's it's really fun, you know. The our record holder is like seventy two attractions right now. I've managed like fifty five or ish, but that's before we sort of tweak the rules to allow more character meet and greets and stuff like that. Um, so it's 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 quite. If you if you're a serious theme park commando, you, you can do that with us. Wow. Do you have like an ultimate dining touring place? Because I want to see how many restaurants I could eat in in a single day. That um that's the kind of research I'm down for. Let's let's do it. <laughs> food. And, I think you probably do that with food and wine. We'll we'll contract you to to construct the food and wine touring plan. For I next do. Year. Listen, I'll wear one of those those spiffy maroon burgundy whatever color <laughs> touring plans T shirts and uh, and do it for food and wine. But I will tell you that as a testament to how well these touring plans work and how well you know what you guys are doing, I I've got to give you credit because you won by a landslide. Not really, but who's counting? The D23 scavenger hunt in Destination D last year in Disneyland. I assume you're coming back to defend your title in Destination D in Walt Disney World. Uh-oh, the smack talk begins. <laughs> um, it's odd, Moncello. Dude, I, we listen, are... I kneel before Zod, man. You guys you guys crushed it, uh, so. Well, it, it helps when you... What, what's cool about the scavenger hunts is that, um, that I was we were really thrilled to even participate last year, and we thought it was actually a really well-run event, and uh, Disney World seems like even crazier. I mean, it's, we're going to all four parks, and you know who knows what sort of how they're going to tweak the rules this year. Um, it's really fun. I mean, literally what we do, some of the, the more extreme research that we do on a day-to-day basis is we collect a lot of wait times, especially for Disneyland, because we just built our site for that one. So we had to, you know, we didn't have these lines users to depend on. So we had to go out and, you know, um, walk the parks as much as possible. So we got a really good sense of where things are and all the hidden details and stuff like that. And so Disney World, however, um, I'm a little bit rusty on. I go there probably way more often than any sane person should. But uh, I don't know. You and Scott Otis, I think you'll be a formidable team. Just look out for Scott Otis, man. He's going to try and sweep the leg. 
So (laughs) (laughs) it's okay. I'll I'll hold some, like, I'll have like a block of cheddar in my backpack just in case. (laughs) Yeah, it should be a lot of fun. Uh, It should be a lot of fun. And again, I think it sort of goes to just knowing how to approach the parks. I think it's sort of a derivation of of what you do um, just because the way you tour and what you do for work. Henry, I definitely want people to go by and check out touringplans.com. You guys also have a a blog there as well. You have a a, a number of really great contributors to the blog. They can get the unofficial guide to Walt Disney World, The Color Companion, A Day in the Life of Henry Work on (laughs) Amazon.com. Uh, you could download lines from iTunes. You got to follow Touring Plans on Twitter and on Facebook. They are Facebook and, tour- and Twitter.com slash Touring Plans. You could also find Henry Work working his magic on Twitter as well. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's, 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 it's a really cool job. We really think the site can really help people. And no matter if you're a theme park commando or, you know, you want the ultimate touring plan to you know, experiencing not doing attractions at Epcot or something like it's, uh, we think it'll work for everyone and, and hopefully our products will, uh, will continue to improve and, um, yeah, we're excited. And listen, if you love Disney and technology and really who doesn't, or you just like this, the melodious harmonic sounds of Henry works, soothing oh, voice, geez. go check out betamouse.net. I'm, I am a beta mouse listener again, like you since episode one. Fanboy number one of the Beta Mouse Nation, Lou Mangello. It just keeps getting uh, funnier every single time I listen. <laughs> yeah, no. If you're if you're into Disney and you have any kind of technological bent or not, uh, come listen. Yeah. We're just trying to siphon off as many users as possible from your podcast. Clearly, listen, it's all good. We're we're one big happy family. And listen, Henry, I want to have you back. There's a couple other uh, ideas I have for some fun stuff that we can talk about, and uh, you can share some of that Henry work goodness. Definitely, sir. Thank you very much for having me on. All right, buddy. Thanks. That's going to do it for this week's show. Thanks so much for taking the time and tuning in this and every week. Thanks again to my guest, Henry Work. You can find him over at touringplans.com or check out his podcast over at betamouse.net. Don't forget, I love hearing from you. I want you to interact with me in the show. Be part of the WDW Radio community. You can email me at lou at wdwradio.com or call the voicemail toll-free. Be heard on the air at 888-703-2171. Be sure and visit the website at www.radio.com for all the different ways you can connect with me and the show, talk with other Disney fans in our fun, friendly, safe discussion forums. You can also check out our daily blog posts, photo galleries, and all the videos that I post both on the site or in our YouTube channel. That's youtube.com slash Radio. In addition to the weekly podcast, don't forget to tune in every Wednesday night at 7.30 p.m. Eastern for the WDW Newscast. It's a live, interactive video news show covering Walt Disney World where you can be part of the broadcast and the discussion, talk about the news real-time in the chat room. If you can't make it live, you can watch right after and continue the conversation over on our YouTube channel. To watch live every Wednesday night, again, that's 7.30 p.m. Eastern, visit wdwnewscast.com. 
or you can also check out the audio-only portion of the newscast by listening to and subscribing to the WDW Radio feed in iTunes. Speaking of videos, I'll be posting more videos to the site and the YouTube channel in the coming weeks, including more from the Disney Dream. If you are a new subscriber or new listener to the show, welcome. Be sure and go back either in iTunes or on the site to check out some of our past videos. They're all archived there, as well as all the old past episodes of the show. Most are evergreen. They include interviews, reviews, Wayback Machines, trivia, lots more. Again, you can find them all in iTunes or by clicking on the podcast tab on WDWRadio.com. Quick reminder about upcoming events in and around Walt Disney World. The April dates for the meets of the month should be coming soon. Don't forget we'll be cruising again on the Disney Dream in 2012. The 40-hour show and events the weekend of October 1st celebrating Walt Disney World's 40th anniversary. Our regular meets, our Adventures by Disney trip, the D23 Expo, lots more in May. We also have Destination D and the D23 Scavenger Hunt. Speaking of which, a great way to prepare at home is with, shameless plug, the Walt Disney World Trivia Books and the Audio Guides to Walt Disney World. They both include trivia, secrets, fun facts, history, a lot of little details that just may help you and your team prepare for the hunt. Visit www.radio.com, click on the Shop tab, there you can get signed copies of the trivia books. You can also get the audio guides either on CD or as instantly downloadable files. Thanks as always to my partners and sponsors, including MEI and Mouse Fan Travel. They are my official and recommended travel provider for all your vacation planning needs, whether you go to Walt Disney World, out to Disneyland on the West Coast, Adventures by Disney, or on the Disney Cruise Line. They give you the best possible prices and discounts, all with the amazing level of of personal service that Becky Mankin and her team are noted for. If you're looking for a vacation home around Walt Disney World, check out allstarvacationhomes.com. They have private pools, spas, complete kitchens, game rooms, multiple master bedrooms, lots more. And I also want to welcome a new partner to the show. They are in Walt Disney World's downtown Disney, Bongo's Cuban Cafe. It's a lively restaurant that recreates the feel of a 1950s Havana nightclub with the flavors of the Caribbean, both at lunch and at dinner. It is, of course, created by music superstar Gloria Estefan, and authentic Cuban cuisine is matched with wonderful live music and dancing on Friday and Saturday nights. There's indoor and outdoor seating, three bars, an express window, lots more. You can go visit them over at Downtown Disney or at bongoscubancafe.com. As always, my friends, if you like the show, all I ask is that you please help spread the word. Let others know about it. Tweet out that you're listening. Share the link on Facebook. Please come by. Review the show and the free WDW Radio iPhone app over in iTunes. And of course, my friends, and you are my friends, thank you again for taking the time and for listening and for all the great feedback that you send me through email and Twitter and Facebook. I sincerely, sincerely appreciate it, and I read everything that you send to me. I also email, answer every email, and I promise I'm a little behind, but I will get to your emails, I swear. So until next time, I hope you are inspired to start pursuing your passion, following your dreams. And once you do, always keep moving forward. Thanks again for listening, everybody. Have a great week. See ya. Hi, Lou. Good afternoon. My name is Mark Sigman. I was the pediatrician from Scranton, Pennsylvania that met uh, over at the boardwalk at the last meet of the month prior to your setting sale. Uh, I just really want to give my heartfelt thanks. I 
that I'm doing what many think is a very foolish thing, being a Disney freak and wanting to be so close to the park. Uh, I felt that this was a good move, uh, but I did it backwards. Usually you get a job lined up first and then you quit. Uh, I quit and without a job, so I am currently entrenched some, into some job searching while I await my Florida medical license to come through. Uh, but life must move on and I must get myself prepared to come to Florida, but all that hesitation and quite literally I was shaking talking with you for so long and then meeting your incredibly enthusiastic and positive wife uh, and uh, also among many, many other people who had similar stories and backgrounds. It definitely made me walk away with a smile on my face that I don't think disappeared uh, until uh, I got up to Space Mountain at around 9 o'clock at night and it was closed and I had a 9 to 9 uh, a 9 to 10 p.m. fast pass. So, anyhow, uh, I, I I got over it. I rode the PTA and saw what was going on inside with the lights on. Uh, just to make sure they're not ripping me off, I guess. But anyhow, long message, but Lou, you inspired me over the last two years to chase my dreams. And as a fellow Northeastern transplant, uh, I, I see you made the right choice. And I know I, in my heart of hearts now, I've met a wonderful, wonderful extended family called the WGW radio team um, with its leader, Lou, and your wife. And uh, you do wonderful things. You're a wonderful person. You're chasing your dream. And my God, I hope to uh, be able to help out in some way. As a pediatrician as well, the Dream Team Project is near and dear to my heart. When I was younger, I had a 14-year-old brother who had passed away from cancer in a matter of three months from diagnosis to death. And uh, that drove me into pediatrics. And throughout my career, I definitely have been uh, doing Make-A-Wish uh, uh, donations when I can. However, with the stream team, I really want to volunteer as much as I can, get involved, raise money, not to mention uh, my move down here in sales of my business has put me in a very good financial state. So I definitely want to make a sizable yet anonymous donation to the dream team to help bring a kid down here and, shit and, and just have it have the dream that we were so fortunate to have between our ages of coming here. For me, it was between 2 and 14. Long message, but I tried to type it out, and it just didn't seem to get through. So uh, thanks, Lou. I look forward to seeing you probably at your April meet of the month. Good luck in all that you do, and thank you for all that you do. You two keep moving forward, and I think we all will follow. Take care. Bye-bye. Hi, Lou. This is Sharon from the suburbs of Cleveland. And I just listened to show number 211 about the best Walt Disney World restaurants for families with children. And I'm so excited because March 10th, we're making our ADRs for our next up-and-coming trip. And the show just inspired me and excited me even more when I make those reservations and looking forward to the princess dinner at Norway. Uh, we have never have um, done that, so we're looking forward um to taking our little princesses there. Thanks for the show, and always appreciate it. Good night. Hey, Lou, this is James in Chicago. I just wanted to let you know um, I was at an event last night at um, our airport here at Midway in Chicago. Um, I work for Southwest, and we had a, a charter plane with a bunch of radio contest winners that went to Orlando, and they had a three-night stay there down in Disney World. And Mickey came and greeted everyone, but I got to meet probably the most uh, popular guy of the evening, in my opinion, was one of the Disney ambassadors, um, Norman. And he's the Disney ambassador for this year. 
and what an amazing guy. Um, and we were talking, and he heard of you, and he'd seen your website before, and it was really cool because you became topic of our conversation, but it was a lot of fun, and can't wait to come back down there and meet up with him um, again. So I thought I'd pass along and uh, say hello, and uh, thanks for uh, everything you do. All right. And congratulations again. I'm a little behind on my shows, but congratulations on the 200th episode. And uh, I'm still listening. Bye. Hey, Lou, it's John. It was uh, great meeting you today at the Meet of the Month at Animal Kingdom. I've been a big fan of the show for a long time. It was great to shake your hand in person, and thank you for all you do. And you too, Becky. And I um, uh, hope to hear a segment on the show sometime in the future about going to Walt Disney World by oneself um, and spending the day to park by yourself. We spoke a little bit about that today, and uh, I've done it a few times, and I did it today. And uh, it's a great time, even uh, if you can't be with all your friends and family. So, great show, Lou. Had a great time meeting you. Thanks for everything you do. Bye. You've got a friend.